Being an expert sucks. As a teacher of spiritual intelligence and emotional health, I get cornered into being the guy who has all the answers. I'd like to take this opportunity to make a confession. I don't. What I do have are convictions. I have theories. I have questions. I find myself looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. Stop setting up your tent. We can't stay here. Through my journey, it's become evident that being a participant is no longer enough. It's time to become reformers. These are my confessions. To get deeper in this conversation, visit MikeMayashiro.com. All right, you guys. Well, I've got a special guest on today. I wanted to talk specifically on the subject of being an ally to the LGBTQ plus community. And so I decided to bring on my baby sister. So Mika's here with me. We've obviously been on this journey together. Mika and I live together. We've lived together for the last year at least. At least. Right? So Mika's been front row seat to this experience of me coming out as a gay person, but also well before that. So I wanted her to be able to share from her perspective what the journey was like for her, the things that she's learned, the things that she struggled with, the things that she came up against, all the things. So we're going to have an allies conversation. So first of all, Mika, tell us who you are first. I'm Mika. I'm your baby sister, which I'm 29 and that's still a thing. <laughs> um, I, what do I do? I run operations for NUMA. I'm a coach. And I now have two children. I just had a newborn who's going to be almost two months old next week. How long did you know that I struggled with my sexuality before I came out to you? What was it, a year ago now almost? Uh, a little over a year ago? Two. Almost two? I think two. You told me about your struggles back when I was in ministry school. So I must have been 19, a full, a full decade ago. Wow, that's crazy. Oh my gosh. And I remember you talking about it, you telling me your story, um, things that happened in middle school and all that. And I remember being surprised. I remember you apologized for bringing that into our house, like as if it was like a really dirty thing. And I remember I remember even then being a little bit confused. I was like, okay, it's okay. Like, it's, it's fine. But I also remember after that conversation about your, you know, struggle with same-sex attraction and I remember you explicitly saying like I wouldn't say that I'm gay and you kind of talked about it as if it was in the past like it wasn't still a thing and so I was like okay are you is this like are you better now like what are you talking about after that conversation walking away being like okay well I guess he's just gonna deal with that hopefully he has that handled I don't know and I remember just kind of in the back of my mind like people were like why isn't Mike dating anyone or whatever and I was like well he's working on it it's whatever so it was always kind of like a almost seemed like a little bit of like a pet project for you like that you were kind of working on in the background and I was just kind of like aware every once in a while but I didn't want to ask you about it or talk about it so <laughs> we didn't talk about it <laughs> I first told you about my struggles with my sexual attraction or whatever because I got kicked out of school so you weren't actually in ministry school yet you weren't a student. I had just gotten kicked out of school on the last day of second year. So you were like, you texted me and you're like, hey, congratulations, so proud of you. Hope you have a fun time tonight. And I'm like, oh my God. So I texted you back, I'm like, Mika, remember this day because you were coming in a couple weeks. Like, remember this, I want to talk to you about today. Right. This is a big deal. And then two weeks later you came and I told you that I got kicked out of school because of because I of what I did in middle school is what I thought at the time. Didn't realize there was more going on there, but. And then I remember when you came to me, I think it was just over two years ago now. You called me randomly out of the blue I think it was like a, a Sunday afternoon and you're like hey can you go on a walk with me right now and I was like um okay <laughs> goodbye husband and child I'll be back I guess we walked around in the woods and you were telling me about the whole Taylor Swift thing and the whole like Peter like the sheep thing and you're just telling me like you were having these moments I think it had been like a week maybe less than a mm. week that that it happened wow. 
and you were you were like having to get it off your you were like admitting to me like this is happening and I'm I think this is a thing and blah, blah, blah. I remember initially being a little bit concerned like um okay are you like having a bit of a break right now like are you, are you okay um but the more you were talking and you were talking about some of the research you had done and just different things that you started touching just in that space and I remember my brain was like, I don't know if this is a great hole to be going down. Like, I don't know if this is going to take us anywhere good. Like, I thought you had inner healing and like dealt with this kind of a thing. But I also remember feeling a sense of peace. My brain was like, this is not a good thing. But my spirit was like, it's okay. Like, we can ask these questions. He's safe. Like, that kind of experience. So it felt kind of strange. I felt kind of conflicted. Like, okay, everything I've been taught, everything that I know is like, no. But the Lord is like, it's okay. Let him do it. And I think I, I had a, I felt a little bit like let him explore. I didn't have any personal like I also want to know for myself at that point. But it, it, I felt peaceful like let him explore and he'll figure it out. And I think I still was like maybe he'll figure this like sort it out and not be gay at the end of it. I don't know. But I didn't have an intense like he has to be straight. Like he has to fix this at that point. I remember we were in the woods and you were sitting on a stump at like a, an yeah. incline. And I'm like standing lower talking to you. I remember being, being kind of surprised at how quickly in that conversation, the words came out of your mouth, this makes loving people a lot easier. Mm. And I was like, whoa, whoa what are we talking? Can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, totally. I think a thing that I've struggled with like most of my life has been being told like these people are not okay. These people are sinning or dangerous or whatever. And therefore, because we're Christians, we can't xyz and we have to whatever whether like explicitly being told that or just by practice i'm not really sure but i remember when you were talking about it's possible gay people are like a function in the family to like care for people more or something like that i was just i remember feeling like with the piece feeling like oh if that's true if like gay people are okay or like i'm allowed to actually love them i don't actually have to reject them i don't have to xyz and them also being you in that context right but i wasn't thinking as specific about you as like the general populace. I remember thinking like, oh, if this is true and this peace I'm feeling is legit, like, I'm not just deceived right now, how beautiful that an entire people group doesn't have to be like X'd off my list of people who get to be real and valid and I get to have a relationship <laughs> with them, you know? And like, I grew up in Portland. I went to a liberal arts university. So I'm like, the number of gay humans that I've come in contact with, I don't know, I couldn't even tell you because they probably wouldn't tell me that they were gay, you know? Um, because I was a Christian and like obviously so and I remember like in high school and in college having friends who were gay and having that same kind of hands-off like that's your deal I don't want to talk about it I definitely can't like accept or like celebrate in that space so we'll just kind of dance around it like it's not a thing and I always remember feeling icky about it but at the same time also feeling like I'm supposed to not accept this part of them so if I accept it then I'm like condemning them to hell and like telling them it's okay to do that. And so I just remember feeling conflicted. Like, how do I see that they're sinning and like embrace that while still being a Christian? Um, because, you know, up until that point, it was clear in my mind that like homosexuality is a sin and it's condemned and all that stuff. So having that conversation, I was like, oh, what if it's like, what if this isn't, what if that's not true? What if I just haven't been told the entire story? What if I could actually get to love gay people for who they are and not like, in spite of their sexual preferences or whatever, you know, like how, and how crazy it sounds so crazy to talking about it now. But yeah, I remember it feeling very freeing and like, oh, if that's on the table, I think I want that. 
So you weren't afraid when I was like, hey, I'm having these experiences. God's saying this stuff to me. I think this is what this means. I'm accepting myself as a gay man. I'm not, I think I remember having a moment where I like had to be explicit. I'm like, I'm not going to change this about myself anymore. I'm not going to try and fight this. I'm going to say yes to this part of myself. Wasn't, was there fear or concern or like, uh, no? Yeah, well... Kind of. Again, there's conflict. So I remember feeling conflicted where I was like, what you're saying has a lot of implications that are dangerous, right? Dangerous. But I couldn't, I couldn't just like ignore that I was feeling peaceful about it, you know? So I think my head was like, oh God, this is scary. This is what, what are you doing? Um, and I was like, I went home and I was like, I can't tell Zach this, about this. And like, you'd ask me not to talk to anybody anyway, but I was like, I can't, I can't talk to people about this. Like, Why, why couldn't you? Um, I think because I was like, I... I have nothing to stand on as to why this is a good thing. But yeah, so I was just like, I can't, I can't talk about it. But I think I want it to be a thing. I don't know. So yeah, I, I remember feeling concerned. Okay, this is kind of a weird hole. And you were a little bit manic in this conversation. I remember manic? Their arms were flailing a lot, <laughs> like more than usual. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, maybe he's just going to like flash and burn and like sort it out. I wasn't totally convinced that you were like, totally accepting yourself. I don't think you even said that phrase. I'm accepting mm -hmm. myself as a gay man. I didn't hear you say that for months later. Okay. You were like, I'm not going to try to change this. So I want to at least explore research. So I think at that point I was like, okay. Manic. Surprise. <laughs> Jokes on you. <laughs> In the LGBTQ plus world, there's a term called ally or being an ally, right? Or allyship. What does that term mean to you? Being an ally to me, there's probably some like official political definition for that. I don't know what that is. But I think for me, Stan Mitchell had said that if someone you love is getting rocks thrown at them and those same rocks aren't hitting you, you're not standing close enough to them. I think that sums it up pretty succinctly i don't think that it should like that should be the definition like i think there's something fundamentally off that like rocks have to be the thing that prove that you care about someone you know because there are rocks being thrown in the first place but i think to me that's that space that like um i don't just like tolerate you your sexuality i don't just like give you a thumbs up and like hands off and kind of walk away but i'm actually like gonna show up in that space i'm actually gonna like if there are rocks being flown like i'm as much as I'm able, I'm going to put myself between you and those rocks. This desire that's in me innately to love people, like that's that's in there. God put that in there. And I'm like, he's the one throwing himself in front of the person being stoned, like time and time again, right? On a basic fundamental human level, like I can't just stand by and watch somebody get stoned in front of me, even if the law says that it's, that's what's supposed to happen. Like that's not the gospel we live in anymore, you know? If there are rocks being thrown, I'm going to put myself in between there. But then I think on top of that, not just like standing up or defending, but also celebrating, like fully embracing and celebrating. Like, this is a part of you. This is something that's beautiful. It's unique and it's different than our normal whatever. But just because it's different doesn't mean that it's less than. And it actually is like something to be celebrated because there's so much marginalization or oppression or just kind of like rejection I want to go out of my way to like demonstrate celebration to kind of try to counteract some of the nasty that's out there at some point in this journey I think for both of us for us in this process together the conversation of privilege came up right that wasn't a term we used very much right. in our world before I came out as a gay person and all the things that came with that but that has become a pretty consistent theme and value that comes up for us in terms of recognizing justice or injustice and, you know, how do we want to participate? What kind of proximity would we want to have to the thing we're discussing? So I'd love to just kind of open up a bit. What was your process like in waking up to privilege, 
recognizing that it's even a thing, but then two, learning how to take responsibility for that or ownership or to clean things up or to move in equity toward a marginalized person, you know, in the general social justice conversation. We'd love to just hear some of your thoughts or process on that. Yeah, I think privilege used to sound like a, just a politically charged word that people on the left would use to, I don't know, agenda. Like there was always like agenda attached to that word, you know, just like the gay agenda, just trying to push in on you. And now I'm like, that sounds, that sounds so crazy. Gay. <laughs> right? Like, are you trying to make me? <laughs> the moment that it clicked for me the most and probably the earliest on, you had said like, what if at some point somebody told you like, you're not allowed to be married to Zach anymore. You're not allowed to have this family. It's not okay for Fox to be your kid. Like being heterosexual is wrong and condemned by God and you don't get to have that anymore. Privilege only really makes sense if you're able to be empathetic in that space. Like if you're able to actually like put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Because up until then I was like, I privilege, I'm privileged. I don't know. I'm a woman. I'm a minority. I don't know how much privilege I have going on back then. I'm like, now I'm like, I'm so privileged. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but you were saying like, what if, what if somebody told you like, you don't get to be married to Zach anymore? Like God doesn't approve of that. My, it was interesting. So interesting. Don't tell mom this, but my initial response is like, if somebody told me that, I think I'd probably choose Zach over God's approval, which is crazy to me. I'm sending mom this don't do it <laughs> i remember recognizing like oh this like visceral response in me this isn't just like oh, i want this because it's like a better life it's like no this is my life like this is so important this is so valuable the fact that it that i would like even consider like i would choose zach over god like that's kind of insane right it was like a visceral like i can't let go of that i can't like let go of fox are you kidding me but the thought that like you don't get to have that because you're gay like you don't get to have that because you're attracted to someone who's the same sex as you and like all of a sudden you don't get to have a full life. You don't you don't get to. You're not allowed. I think it just clicked for me like, oh, that's I'm living in privilege. Like the fact that I get to to do that, people celebrate, they come to my wedding, they whatever, they send me so many baby clothes, like all that stuff is really beautiful, but it is also like, oh, that's that's an extra thing that's awarded to me that not everybody gets. If the tables were turned, if suddenly like I had to be attracted to women instead of men and I wasn't allowed to marry a man or have kids with a man, my world would be totally different. And I'm like, oh, the fact that I'm allowed to do that and you're not, at least in some people's beliefs, I'm like, oh yeah, that's not okay. We had a couple of hard conversations along the way, specifically you and me, right? Like we had a whole team of us that went through this journey of like I came out and then we all got to do our research and navigate relationship with each other. And what does this mean? And what am I willing to accept or what's not okay in my immediate sphere as far as how I'm being treated or how this conversation is being regarded. And so Mika probably had the highest standard of anybody around me that I was holding because of our relationship and all the things. There were a couple different instances where I was like, hey, this sucks for me. This is really painful. And it was weird. It took me a minute to figure out even how to approach the conversation because I'm like, I feel so intensely about this. Something's wrong. I don't know exactly what the problem is. I just know that this can't be it. There's something is wrong, right? And so I tried to do my best to articulate without being big and scary, like this is a problem. And also not trying to dictate choices that you, you know, like how you're allowed to live or whatever, but absolutely addressing a nuance to how your choices are affecting me and this huge need I had for safety that I wasn't experiencing you know, in our relationship based on choices you're make, making or whatever. Can you speak to any of the things that you want, you remember or want to bring up, can articulate so <laughs> that would be constructive? What was that like? What did you learn? What stood out to you? What didn't click? Any of it. I just want to hear about that. Well, I can start off with a small one because the other one's going to be a little more complicated. 
Um, a small one was at one point I made a comment about we were like watching a movie or something and we were trying to figure out what to do. We we're all hanging out, a group of us, and the guys, three out of the four guys didn't like wanted to watch a movie and the girls were like not interested in that and mike was like i don't that's i don't he was more like the girls aren't gonna watch want to watch that i don't want to watch that tonight and i made a comment so flippantly but i was like you guys should do that on like a straight guy movie night like another time and man even hearing that now i'm like wow how did i not Mm. Mm. you don't you just don't know (laughs) i said it and i was like huh i don't know if it came out of mouth and i was like "Mm, that felt weird but we moved on like kind of whatever and then the next day Mike was like hey can we talk about this and I was like yeah shoot it was weird okay um and we basically just got to kind of wrestle out like I was like hey I, I didn't mean it I didn't mean anything by it like it, it just kind of slipped out it was a joke but like just kind of like I didn't I didn't intend to like attack you or whatever um but he was like hey anytime that you're like separating a person out because of their sexuality like anytime you're like removing me from my gender because I'm gay like that's that's marginalizing. Like you're literally separating me from my entire gender because of my sexuality. And I was like, shoot, I didn't like no grid for that, right? Um, and like that is an aspect of my own privilege is like, I've never experienced that. No one's ever been over here being like, send the straight girls over there, you know? <laughs> like that's not a thing. Yet, maybe <laughs> it will be, I don't know. <laughs> but I remember being like, oh man, like I genuinely didn't mean to like be rude or to like separate but there is in my own heart there was a separation and I had to address like shoot there's still like I don't know if I'd call it full-on homophobia but like there's still like some kind of prejudice there that I like separate out like you're gay and you're straight and that makes you different and like it does make you different but not from your entire gender you know like not not in a way that like separates that was like a a small conversation but I remember being like shoot this is such a small thing but it impacted you and I was like man I want to not be causing harm like that like that sucks because if the tables were turned again like if someone was like only the gay girls get to go do that like it's a lesbian only night i'd be like what it's weird you know let's see so i think a bigger conversation we had that came up a couple times because i just couldn't figure out what's going on (laughs) um a friend of ours like a mutual friend of ours who's pretty close both of our lives like pretty integrated in this process at some point they started out kind of on the same road as us kind of figuring out like okay what is what is this? Is being gay okay? What does the Bible actually have to say about this? Reading some books, that kind of stuff. But at some point, they'd like diverged. They'd like kind of decided quietly without really talking to any any of us and like kind of quietly decided like, this isn't what God is saying. This isn't okay. I'm still like okay to have a relationship with you, but I don't think that God is okay with people being gay, just kind of in general. And they'd never talked to me about it, but they'd had some pretty like volatile conversations, right? Like it was end of a friendship basically with between them they've always kind of had like a a bit of a dramatic flair like they've had these like you know butt heads break come back that kind of thing but this time was like different because it's not not just relationally it was actually like ethically morally like i reject this part of you and i think god does too i don't really have a grid for like okay like that sucks that's annoying but like does that affect me like do i need to change how i interact with them Um, I don't know that I was even thinking about it until like we'd hung out with them and came home and he was like, hey, can we talk about this? Like, I don't actually feel safe. Like this person still has access to my life through you because of our relationship. It doesn't feel safe. Like this person is advocating for violence against people like me, against 
me, basically. Them still getting to have access to my life through you and you like showing up in that space and still wanting to like have a relationship with them and like give them access to our world. I don't feel safe in that space. And you were basically like, if you can find a way where I can like, I can feel safe and you're like morally good with like hanging out with them, I'm fine. You don't have to stop hanging out with them, but I don't feel particularly protected. This person has chosen like I think you said violence. Really? I think so. I don't feel like I use that word very often. I think I remember it being kind of aggressive language. Okay. Like the things that they believe anyway are like mm-hmm. violent against the LGBTQ community. We had this conversation, I think two, maybe three times. Um, like it came up a couple times because we're just, I'm just like trying to work it out, trying to figure out. I think part of the thing that was coming up was I f- would find out later after the fact that this was happening. And I think part of the thing I was trying to express was, can you communicate to me this is going on so I have an opportunity to make an informed decision about how I want to be subject to this, right? Because I think I was learning. It's still at that point, I was still becoming aware of the, the needs that I had. I don't think that I was super <laughs> representative of like getting my needs met in these vulnerable ways that would cost other people. That wasn't something that I needed to do or I had, I had learned how to live without needing things from people basically, you know? So in this space, having to, from a traumatic place, having to demand that my needs be met or that I be covered or protected in ways that I didn't used to need from people was super painful and frustrating for me to have to admit. It felt like weak or needy or, you know, and I just didn't want to come across that way, but also I could not overcome or remove the visceral demand. My, almost my body was like screaming for it. Like I'm not safe here. And all of a sudden my safety became a priority and I needed to take care for me here because of how dramatic and painful the coming out process was and how like staunchly contrasted being affirmed or not affirmed was like it was just very polarizing right and i don't think i was doing that to people i think that's what's happened in our culture around this conversation so that was a very sensitive area and i was like it wasn't being communicated to me i would find out after the fact like it was like a secret in the back or like i wasn't being thought of or i just was like i don't know that i'm being regarded or it's kind of the thing the things i was saying i don't think you're thinking about how i'm being impacted by this thing you know you know what's happened you know what's going on i don't understand what you're thinking and so like not knowing where you're coming from and all this and then finding out later that that's just going on like feels betraying and violating and unsafe and whatever right and i think that's yeah and i think from that space it took me a minute to kind of piece together because um i think initially i wrote it off as like you guys have a dramatic friendship like that's been a thing you fight you break up basically like they're not like you know like just like kind of a volatile no not necessarily volatile maybe a little bit just two big personalities like butting heads a lot and so I think part of me was like oh they they do this and this time it seems like you know this bigger issues than before but this has nothing to do with me it was like if I were honest that's probably what I was actually thinking if I'm really honest which I hate even saying this but I'm like the back of my mind was like they did this they blew it up like I don't know why this should affect my life um, because they don't want to be friends anymore I don't know that I should have to sacrifice there. I think if I'm like real, I don't think I ever like consciously had that thought, but I think that's what was going on. Not recognizing like, oh, this is a rock being thrown. Like I didn't really have a concept for that back then. The beliefs that caused this split are rocks being chucked at him and not recognizing like I should be stepping in there. I shouldn't be like stepping back and letting them happen, let alone like running over and being like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> you know, I didn't really understand what he was experiencing. Like I didn't, I couldn't tap into empathy there because it I didn't have anything to compare it to. Like, no one's ever decided something about the Bible means something about my identity. Like, no one has looked at a scripture before and told me, like, I don't get to be X, Y, Z because of a book. Like, that's not happened to me before. It took a a couple times, which is, I'm a little, I'm embarrassed talking about this. (laughs) 
Um, it took a couple times of him having to explain, like, basically, he's like, I'm having a trauma response, essentially. It's like his, like, like mm -hmm. this experience. And I was like, I don't, what? Why? Why are you having a trauma? Like, why? It's fine. Like, I feel safe. It's fine. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> but I remember recognizing, probably finally, like, I don't totally know how to have a relationship with people who are not affirming almost in the way that I would have felt before like I don't know how to have a relationship with people who are affirming <laughs> you know? like, I don't I don't know what to do and I mean this is this is unique because it was such a like close volatile experience this space for me to recognize that like I was coming from a privileged spot was recognizing like I don't know what you're experiencing like I don't know why this is so painful for you but I do know it's painful and if I can mitigate that if I can like stop doing you harm by just doing whatever I want, I'm going to do that. And it was it was painful. Like, we had to have a conversation with that friend, and that sucked. And I think even in that conversation, I don't know that I totally even owned, like, hey, like, this is the reason, or, like, as explicit as I could have been. And I think looking back, I'm like, there's still a space where I'm like, I don't know... I think potentially I was not as explicit as I could have been because I was still not totally, like, ready to stand on that ground or something like that. It wasn't that long ago, you know? <laughs> that experience was pretty eye-opening and I think it made it pretty clear to me, I can either like do whatever I want and have a relationship with whoever I want or I can actually like take care of the people in my life and cover pain and trauma and like reduce the harm that I'm causing. Having to choose that, like losing a friendship sucked, but at the same time, I'm like, I actually get to choose into love, like what love is actually doing in that. It's definitely a better choice. And one thing too, I remember, I'm just like airing all my dirty laundry. It's great. I remember at one point you were like talking about the like finding out about it afterward. And I think some of that was accidental. I think some of it was just like being avoidant and not wanting to talk about it, right? I think at one point I was like, I don't want to tell you because it makes you sad, right? And like, I don't want to make you sad. And, but you were like, that's actually selfish. Like that's a selfish response. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> I think at some point I was also like, that's you manipulating me. Yeah. Right? Great. Yeah. Which is great. <laughs> and I remember being like, oh, what are you talking about? Like, why? <laughs> I'm like trying to shelter you from pain. But recognizing too, like, oh, that's true. I'm being selfish. I'm not like trying to reduce the amount of exposure he has to pain. I'm just trying to reduce the amount of exposure I have to pain. Like, I don't want to deal with the, the difficulty or the confusion or the pain. So I'm just going to tell you about it and we're just going to move on with our lives and kind of do whatever and deal with it later or something. And, and none of this was conscious. Like, I wasn't intentionally being like, I'm going to go hang out with this person and like make you feel unsafe. <laughs> you know, like, no, none of that was happening. But it definitely was selfishly guided. Even if I'm like, oh, but I want to protect you. I'm like, my actions are not actually protecting, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was like awkward for me to work out. Yeah, and I want to throw something in here just in terms of context and understanding and all that. A couple things. One, the relationship Mika's talking about. This person was actually a big proponent of me going down this road. This person actually added acceleration to my coming out process. Um, they were a cheerleader. They were often the ones suggesting the more controversial, like aggressive steps toward embracing myself here. Right. So there was this whole like support and like championing and cheerleading that was going on for a while with this person in a vulnerable space in my life. And then somewhere along the way, without it being acknowledged or announced, their energy just kind of shifted. And we were all kind of moving across the country and stuff. So there were some other like logistical, practical things that were, I think, masking what was going on behind the scenes, but this was not being communicated or represented in, a, in what I would call an, an 
an integrity-filled way. There, w- there wasn't honesty or courage or bravery in this person owning their stuff, or at least wasn't being communicated to me in the way that I needed to hear it to understand what was happening. So anyway, eventually I had to be the one to figure out like, oh, this is what's going on. This is what they're doing. This is why I'm not hearing these things from them or why this person isn't showing up in this way anymore or whatever. I just I had to learn these different symptoms of where this person wasn't coming from anymore. And that was so painful and felt so violating. And so when I started pushing at it and we started getting very explicit about what was and wasn't going on anymore, so painful. I think the biggest pain point was not that they weren't affirming anymore or that they decided not to be. It's how that went about in the relationship, how it wasn't communicated or represented to the vulnerable person, the one who was gonna be negatively impacted by that stuff, that this isn't gonna cost this person anything. That was so painful to experience, to be treated that way. I don't think this person is malicious. I don't think they don't not care. I think it's similar to stuff Mika's describing. I think they don't get it. I think so many straight people cannot see what it's like to be the vulnerable party in this conversation specifically, but I think this applies to all kinds of marginalized people, which has made me so much more sensitive to other people's plights that I've never experienced before. You can't, and so the other thing I wanted to point out is like coming out as a gay person, making that decision socially and letting people be aware of that, it's not a one-time event. You might have a one-time event conversation with someone or whatever, but I don't get to take that back. I don't get to go back into the closet when it suits me. You know what I mean? Like I don't get to just like undo what I did that screwed my life up. It's not a conversation piece. This is like an acceptance of some part of me that the rest of the world around me doesn't want to accept. But it's, so I have a choice. Do I want to love me or like cater to everything everyone else wants? I don't get to undo it, right? And so for Mika navigating things the way she was thinking about it, I'm over here expressing deep pain, literal trauma response I'm having. Just like, this is unsafe. This sucks. I need more from you here because I can't undo it. I am, I wake up and go to sleep in the vulnerable position every day of my life now. It's a choice I made that continues to bear weight in my experience, right? I don't get to step out of it. Whereas a straight person, this is something they elect to participate in. You wake up every morning and go to bed every night choosing to participate, but it's a willful choice you're gonna have to make and I get to represent something that encourages that choice. But it's a choice you get to make. I wake up in the morning and go to bed at night in it. It doesn't go away, right? And I don't think that straight people get that. And I'm not trying to make this point to vilify straight people. That's not the point. That's not true. People, Straight people aren't evil or bad. But if we're talking about justice, <laughs> are they though? <laughs> if we're talking about justice and care for the marginalized and the oppressed in our, in our society, the queer community is absolutely one of those people groups that is prejudiced against. Like they are discriminated against and treated terribly for unjustified reasons. And straight people don't have to deal with it if they don't want to. In the conversation of ally, that's going to be something that a straight person is going to have to choose. And there's work that's going to have to be done. And it's going to have to come from a willful internal solidarity rather than some kind of external threat. Whereas people in my position, I'm over here having these conversations because I can't move forward in my life. I'm tripped up. I'm like, I don't feel safe in my own home. I don't get to just ignore this. I have to address this or I don't get to have peace in my life. I think there's just such a contrast in this, the experience here, which was something I was like trying to broach. Like, how do I not scare this person and make them feel like garbage, but also represent, I need something better than what's happening. Like I need your awareness and understanding to increase your level of competency here is not working for me. We've got to figure out what, I think I said that at one point, I'm like, I don't know what you don't know. I don't know how to help, but I know what's happening here. It can't be it. We can't stay here. I need better than this. So I think that's just such an interesting element to this that I wasn't expecting. I didn't anticipate having to have these conversations. <laughs> I know, yeah. So that's been such a task, like such a, a taxing component to even our relationship. 
I think some of our more emotionally driven conversations have been in this space in the last while, right? I think because your emotional capacity has been pretty tied up anyway. One of the examples you gave me was like, what if somebody had done this to Fox? Like, what if somebody, Fox, my daughter, um, like, what if somebody had, like, when she's older, what if somebody had, like, betrayed her? Or what if they were mean to her or whatever? Like, you wouldn't be going out of your way to go have a relationship with that person. If anything, you'd probably be like, no, uh, you don't get to be here. Not just away from Fox, but also from, from you. Like, you don't, you wouldn't want to have connection with somebody who hurt somebody you loved. And I think that hit me in a specific way because I have, I cover Fox. Like, my role is covering, whereas I think... In this dynamic, I hadn't I hadn't really recognized like the role of like covering you that I had. I think I was like, "You're fine. You're my older brother, right? Like, you can handle it." Um, and I think realizing like, "Oh, you being the vulnerable party in this, like, I actually have to do some of this. Like, I have to cover you um, <laughs> yeah, with the hands. Like, not like you're helpless or you're like a little child, but like in some of these spaces, you don't get an adult voice. Like sometimes, you know, and like." I do. And so from that place of privilege, like I'm privileged, I'm cis hetero, I'm married, I'm a married Christian woman with children. I'm like, I'm winning. And from that space, like all the privileges that are awarded to me because of that, like those are actually designed to be used to protect and to cover the strength that comes from there, like should be used for the vulnerable to like show up in that space. And I think it just hit me because I think I've thought about that for Fox too. Like the, the more I have as a human that I'm like more rounded out as a person the better parent I'm gonna be the more I can actually offer to my kid and like the better life I can create for her and just recognizing like oh that straight up just like works here too like the more I have to bring to the table the more I can actually like contribute and create something helpful at the recording of this Fox is turning three in almost a month a little over a month young right just learning about so much about the world I'm curious what are your thoughts as a mom to a three-year-old in the world we're living in now with a gay brother slash uncle, how are you gonna approach that? What's the plan? Is there one? What are thoughts? Do you have thoughts or concerns? I'm just, cause I think people watching probably have curious questions about that in general, uh, cause we're kind of looking at a different part of my life here, right? And yeah, your vantage point. So right. yeah, any and all of the things you have to say about that? Right, yeah. Yeah, I definitely thought about it. Um, I think I have the luxury that I don't have to have a full-on plan yet because she's still like, everyone's everything. Like there's no, <laughs> lines really she's still learning like what boys and girls are so she's still learning like boys stand up when they pee and girls don't and like body parts and stuff like that so she's still figuring that out just as a baseline so I'm like I have some time before I have to make decisions about this um, but I think in general I want to come at it that like it's normal not to sit her down and be like okay so your uncle's gay <laughs> this is what it means um, but come at it from a space that like yeah your uncle's he's out on a date with a man and like sometimes people date men and sometimes they date women and like I don't know I think it's only weird if you make it weird like um I think if we normalize it and she has exposure like she sees gay people like as a normal thing I think she'll treat it normally and I think our attitudes about that will absolutely inform how she approaches it what she thinks and I think at the beginning of this process I felt nervous about like okay I can navigate this stuff but like what does this mean about my my kids like can I teach this to my kids because there's so much about like protecting kids from sexuality just kind of in general and I'm like I don't know we'll wait till it's appropriate until she's asking questions probably so basically like kind of responding to what she's demonstrating as what she's ready for as opposed to you deciding about an age range. Yeah, I think in general, I think we do most things that way. Like we kind of let 
and for our parenting, like we kind of let her lead the way. Like there are some things we have in place, but like when she's ready for stuff and she's asking for things, like then we step in and we're like, okay, it's time to talk about this. Maybe that will become more structured as she gets older. But for now, I'm like, as much opportunity as we have, like when you when you go out on dates, she's like, where's Uncle Mike? I'm like, he's hanging out with someone or he's on a date. And she's like, he's on a date? And so was, the other day we said, Uncle Mike's out on a date with a guy. And she goes, Uncle Mike, date with a guy. Like just kind of like repeating <laughs> it, like processing it. Um, but I think like the more exposure she has to that, the more normal it is. And there was this moment, Marcus and I were watching Schitt's Creek like over lunch and Fox, you know, comes down sometimes and sits down and watches with us. And there was one, there was a scene where David had these like under eye things he was wearing for skincare or whatever. Right. And he was a full on dating Patrick or whatever. And so he kissed, I was like, I knew this moment was coming up. So I, was, I wanted to see how she was going to respond. David and Patrick kiss. And then he moves on, whatever. And I'm looking at Fox without her knowing that I'm looking at her. And she doesn't even bat an eyelash. And then like five seconds later, she goes, what's on his face? <laughs> she like, she was more interested and concerned about what's going on with his face. Didn't even face her that these two men kiss. I rewound it again. Cause I think someone said something. So I rewound it. I was like, Marcus, watch this. He's like, what's up? And he watched her watch it. And he's like, what, what, what? You know, Marcus. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I was like, two men just kiss. She didn't bat an eyelash. He's like, right. Oh, interesting. Like kids don't think anything of this. We teach them right, wrong, good, bad, yes, no, natural, unnatural, whatever. I'm like, am I gonna have to come out to Fox at some point? And that's, I don't feel ready for that. I'm like, that feels really awkward for me, but I think you will. I think she's you just can... gonna grow up knowing it. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. That'll be interesting. On the journey of learning how to become an ally, which you're still in the school of like, okay, what does it look like for me to, you know, stand in solidarity with my gay brother who's very loud and big and has a platform, blah, blah, blah. like, how do I figure out, you know, that's a lot. Are there any particular lessons or things that you've had to like learn or adjust that you think would be helpful for people to hear that you haven't already discussed? So I think one of the things that hit me, I think you brought it up to me, you were reading God and the Gay Christian well before I had touched that book. And there was a part where he's explaining if you teach somebody to hate their sexuality, you're actually teaching them to hate themselves because you can't separate a person's sexuality from their like sense of self and identity. I had no concept for that before any of this. And I think starting to understand that made your process make a lot more sense to me. Because I think from an objective, separate standpoint, you could look at somebody coming like coming out, going through the whole coming out process and being like, why is it so difficult? You're gay, whatever. And we've even seen comments of people like, you're gay, whatever, stop talking about it. Like... Who cares? Like, let's move on. Like, we, you know, like recognizing somebody, a person's sexuality, like can't actually be separated from their identity made this whole experience, how visceral some of it has been, how difficult it has been. Um, the way people responding, like impacting you the way that it has, has put it in context. I've never had to experience that. No one has ever looked at me and been like, you're straight, therefore X, Y, Z, right? Like it's not, it doesn't define my experience in the world, but it doesn't actually mean that my being straight is less a part of my identity than you being gay, right? And we just talk about like, oh, people who are gay, they turn into their whole identity and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but it is a part of straight people's identity just as much. We just don't talk about it because it's allowed. Like it's open, it's fine. This is the normal, right? But I'm like, I get to marry a man and wear a wedding ring and all this stuff. And it's a very obvious, very important part of my identity and who I am. And nobody's over here being like, can we just move on? We get that you're married. Can we just turn it off? Like, okay, whatever. And <laughs> just like, it's so, like, that's so crazy. Um, we just don't, you just don't see it when you're like, you're in water, right? Like you're a fish swimming around. And you're like, what's the big deal? Um, until you get thrown in, there's, you're trying to breathe air and you're a fish and you're like, ah, and so I'm like, he's over here, like gasping for air. And we're like, 
can you just stop talking about being gay? You can't separate a person's sexuality from their identity. And if you teach them to hate their sexuality, you're teaching them to hate themselves. And I've, you know, heard multiple stories of parents doing that and seeing the fallout. And I'm just like, we have got to do better. Like, this is crazy. We don't talk about it, but sexuality defines our identity so much. It's not like gay people are overly sexualized because they talk about their sexuality so much. It's like, this is a part of being a human being. We just don't express it as much because we're allowed to not have to talk about it and that's actually part of our privilege too it was like i don't have to talk about being straight because everybody gets it and no one's upset about it totally thank you okay so i'm curious as well when i came out i was like i want this to be a celebration this is a big deal this is important and it's awesome this is a good thing so anticipating all the negative that we were being like instructed to prepare for which that in of itself was an emotional journey that we understood like that's realistic it's gonna happen okay but i was like i don't want this experience to be riddled with embracing negative impact there's also gonna be so much beauty and good that this is advocating for we're celebrating in that there was this loud event and there was a lot of response there was a lot of negative backlash that we were told was going to happen. And I think some of it was like, oh, not as bad as we thought. Other parts of it was like, oh God, that was worse than I was. <laughs> I'm curious for you. So not being the person coming out, but being the person watching someone you care about come out and then seeing the response or whatever. What was that like for you? How did you work through it? Um, you know, in spite of my version of having worked through all that stuff, what was it like for someone, an ally on the side watching this? What was that like for you? I'm curious. In some ways, it felt a little bit like a coming out for me as well, uh, because it's kind of been a secret for the last like 10 years of our lives, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, because it started out as like a, a dirty little secret sure. that you were also keeping hidden away. And then it turned into like, hey, we're working this out. And now it's like, hey, I'm, I'm gay. This is not going away. This is a thing. We're like, okay. Um, so in some ways it felt like, yes, this is awesome. I can like breathe and like tell the truth all the time kind of a thing. What do you mean by that? Were you lying on my behalf often? Not often, but sometimes, yeah. Like what would that sound like for um, just people who don't know? I mean, people, uh, This it's weird how often people ask me like why you're not dating somebody or why we moved to Nashville, like just things like that. And I think it's not necessarily lying, but just not telling the whole truth. Um, because one of the bigger reasons we moved to Nashville was be closer to Stan and like, because you're gay, right? Like we didn't move here because you're gay, but it was definitely like a defining right. factor, right? Yeah. Um, why doesn't Mike te teach at Bethel anymore? Like what happened? Like stuff like that. It's like, <laughs> that's, that's why. Uh, why is he not married or like whatever, you know? And so for me, it felt very much, and I think also going back to feeling like, oh, I'm allowed to love people more. Mm and more freely and more openly, it felt like, okay, I can actually talk about this. Because I, can't, I think before you publicly came out, I didn't really feel like I could share or talk about anything in the LGBTQ realm without kind of outing you, you know? So I, I didn't, I just like stayed away from it. But I'm like, I follow a bunch of influencers who are gay or trans and I'm like, they're saying some good stuff and I wanna share this on my story, but I can't. And so you're coming out, I think, was so cool, so celebratory of you and like getting to like crescendo this like advocating for you getting to be who you are, not like who you want to be or whatever, like who you actually are and getting to like embrace that person. Um, and then it also felt fun and celebratory for me because I'm like, I get to talk about this process that's been going on for the last two years explicitly, but has been a thing in our lives for like a, a decade and has very much like shifted the way that I view the planet, like human beings, you know? So it felt really cool. It felt really celebratory. Um, I got a little bit of backlash, but definitely not to the degree that you did. Someone posted like a hate comment or whatever, ignorant, religious, acute, whatever. Did you get angry? Did you get upset? Did you get offended? What was that like for you? And then what did you do to move through that? Yeah, I got a couple of like negative comments on my own post about like coming out as an ally, I guess. And it was interesting 
to experience that and be like, oh God, okay. Like being annoyed, being frustrated, seeing people comment on your stuff and being like, wow, that's so uneducated and rude. Like, <laughs> I can't believe you talked to another person that way, especially someone you don't know or someone you do know, like either way, not okay. But I remember getting a couple comments on my own post and I was reading them. I was like, okay, interesting. I'm going to sit on that because I'm, I'm like angry. I don't want to just like, like lash out. And I think I literally like went to sleep and the next morning, a couple people from my own, like my own friends, I think it was on Facebook, other people had shown up and like, just like smacked that person around. I was like, nope, you don't get to say this. This is not okay. And I was like, cool, great. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it alone. Seeing the negative comments that you were experiencing, I was like, wow, this is embarrassing because most of them were Christians because I know a lot of them. Um, but it was also really interesting seeing the people who would come like advocate and like yeah. defend or like fight off the trolls or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. And it felt very much like, okay, these people are maybe not safe anymore, but there's a lot of other people who are now, which is kind of cool. So yeah, I, the negative comments made me really mad. And some of our friends would send me comments that people were there like, hey, what would you say to this? I want to respond. And I'm like, I can't, I don't, I didn't want to like bite people's heads off. Yeah. I definitely wanted to. What pieces of advice would you give to someone who wants to become an ally, who has the heart for this, or thinks that they're in that boat, but maybe there's more work for them to be doing or whatever? What are some pieces of advice you'd give for people to be like the best allies they're able to be in this space? And also, are there any resources you'd particularly point out that you know you think would be helpful for them? I think for me, the biggest thing that I needed to actually like start down this road was the permission to ask questions because you know we were raised Christian, conservative Baptist, whatever. Um, I was always taught like the Bible's clear on homosexuality. It's a sin. It's condemned straight to hell <laughs> kind of a thing. <laughs> um, and so the permission to question whether or not that actually was true. Like I went into this being like, maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I've got a lot on the line here, right? Giving yourself the permission to actually like uncover that stuff for yourself and I was shocked so many times on this road reading different books hearing different perspectives that I'd never been exposed to hearing different interpretations I'd never been exposed to before beyond literal glossing over like it says homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom so there you go reading like hearing the interpretations of where that actually came from how did that language end up in the bible is this what they're actually talking about contextually, that kind of stuff. Just blew my mind. I'm like, how come no one has ever told me about this? This is insane. Like, this is not what they're talking about. Like, when we went through the clobber passages, I've you know gone through them a few times and being like, these, none of these apply. And like, just being so annoyed that like, I was taught my whole life to hate an entire group of people because a few dudes decided to interpret the Bible in a specific way. That sucks. And I'm actually really grateful to have to have to have to have dealt with this, to have to have gone on this journey because the freedom on the other side, this book isn't saying what all my pastors and my parents or whatever have taught me. It's actually saying something else. And like God is actually saying something else and doing something else. And so being willing to show up in that place and question like, is he saying the same thing that I've been told the whole time or is it actually, is it different? Is there possibility that maybe we got some of this wrong at some point here, knowing that there are lives on the line? knowing that people's permission to exist lies in the answers to those questions. Recognizing your own privilege in that space too, that like you don't have to engage with this as a straight person. I'm like, cause I wouldn't have. If he hadn't come out, I wouldn't have looked at this. I would have just carried on because that's what I've been taught to do. And that's what we've been doing for generations, right? And so I think recognizing your own privilege, your own space that like, I don't have to look at this, but love compels me and like follow that voice because it is definitely easier not to. It's much easier to just like go with whatever anyone, everybody else is saying and just kind of 
move on. Yeah, you have the conflict that like, you know, you don't get to accept gay people, but you don't have to deal with gay people, right? Like they're far away from you unless they're not. And then it's mm. like, okay, I have like, I owe them something better than what's been handed to me. As a straight person, this doesn't cost in the same way that it costs a gay person, but that doesn't mean that that's right. Like just because I don't have to pay the price doesn't mean that I shouldn't be going out of my way to figure out how to alleviate some of the cost from the marginalized person. Um, and I think for me, some helpful, really, really helpful resources along that road, um, handful of books. We have a whole resource page on the MikeMarshow.com website. So for me, we I started out first reading uh, A New Kind of Christianity by Brian McLaren. Um, he's not talking explicitly about the LGBTQ community, kind of talking about deconstruction kind of in general, but that book helped me take my view of the Bible and like release it a little bit to like actually give me some space to ask questions and not just like have to have it mean one specific thing. Um, so that book was really a helpful place for me to start. And then as far as like actually addressing the clobber passages, what the Bible says about homosexuality, Unclobber was super accessible, super easy. And I related to it a lot because he's a straight guy who's like kind of similar. He's like, he didn't have to address it, but there were people in the world that he was like, I care about this and I, and I want to show up for them. And then I think as much as you can, if there are gay people in your world, like engage with them, ask questions, not for them to educate you, right? Like educate yourself, but ask about their experience. And I think the biggest piece for me uh, was the ability to empathize. Like this whole process was catalyzed by me putting myself in his shoes and trying trying to picture like what would that be like for me to experience and choosing from that place rather than just theory or him just telling me what to do, right? Be around people who are not straight. Like be around people who are LGBTQ and ask about their experience and give them space to tell you the truth without like shoving your agenda down their throat or anything like that. Okay. Thank you, Mika. We're going to land this plane. Thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye. Isn't my sister cool? Listen, if you're an aspiring ally or you are an ally or you want to do the work of becoming an ally to the LGBTQ plus community, somebody who wants to step in and support these people, love them, embrace them like Jesus does and clean up the toxic theology that taught you that you had to hold them at an arm's length, that you had to condemn them, you had to put them in a weird emotional cage in your relationship in order to be right with God. If you want to undo that damaging rhetoric and become nice and clear within yourself and in your relationship with God that this is gospel-driven, good work prepared in advance for you to do, then I would highly encourage you to check out the Intro to Allyship webinar. I've provided a link below this episode for you to check that out. Let's remove the doubts, the questions, the concerns. Let's answer them. Let's get you on board to being a loving, caring neighbor, brother, sister to our queer family. Thanks for watching this interview, and I'll see you next time. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to see how deep this rabbit hole goes, check out MikeMyashiro.com.